Smoke Up Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. I sat before you with my bubble firmly ruptured. You burst my bubble before we even got to start the show How tonight. did I do that? I, mean, I, I was so proud. I thought, I, here's how I was going to start the show. All I right. have the best friends in the world. I count you amongst them. You're okay. out. Now... <laughs> <laughs> because I sat down and one of my good friends had brought me the brand new Blind Man's Bluff Maduro and under and I was under the impression these were not available nowhere else that I was fixing to get something oh. unique <laughs> to which Trey says oh have you not smoked one of them yet <laughs> I won't tell you and anytime somebody says I won't tell you what I think about it till you smoke it you know they didn't like it <laughs> That's so not you true. You ruptured my bubble. My bubble is burst. It's laying on the ground in tattered pieces, thanks to you. Well, I will <laughs> say that uh, they've got it up at Smoker's Abbey, and that's where I had it. Uh huh. And but my not wanting to tamper your palate has nothing to do with how much or how little I enjoyed it. And I will give you an honest review of it once we get towards the uh, middle of the show or so. Well, let's talk about it then. So since I've already kind of introduced it. And uh, it's Blind Man's Bluff Maduro. It uses a Pennsylvania Maduro wrapper over Sumatran binders and fillers from the Dominican Republic. This is the first time Blind Man's Bluff has been made outside of Honduras. It's actually made in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. So should be, I like, Sumatra's tough. You better know what you're doing. If you're going to fool with Sumatra... You better know what you're doing. I completely agree. You know, if you're going to operate a Sherman tank, you better know what you're doing. You're going to fly an F-15, know what you're doing. If you're going to mess with Sumatra, know what you're doing. Right. So I'm interested to to give it a couple of puffs and see, even though you've already, you know, tainted my, by not tainting my view, already tainted it. Because if you just said, well, I didn't like it, then I could have just said, well, we have different palettes, and I'd have went ahead and smoked it. Now that you have left the ambiguity out there. Well, so, all right, I'm. <laughs> The show hasn't even taken off. I'm already pulling it over. I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. Any listener to the show for any amount of time knows that he carries my behind most weeks. Shane, you do all the heavy lifting. You do most of the show prep. I come in and just keep you on track. So most of the time, your favorite moments of the show are when you can sneak in something on me and, and get a surprise reaction from me. How often do I get to do the same to you? So this, this is, is my only opportunity. I didn't bring any show prep this week. You've got all the articles. All I'm doing is just sitting here looking pretty. And so I'm going to make you... <laughs> you know, I have no idea how, rel- how relieved I was that that was Allie rubbing my shoulders instead of Fred. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, carry on. Sorry, we had a visitor. But my, my point is... Uh, this is my opportunity to kind of uh, control some aspect of the show because I don't normally take that very often. Well, I understand. And I'm, aside from bursting my bubble slightly, and I, I, I tell you, I'm, is it possible that my flames are not as hot as they were when this lighter came out new? I seem to have more trouble lighting cigars with this lighter. Well, I wonder if it has to do with us being outside. Uh, because the wind, the wind just took it away as soon as you flicked it. Anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about my cigar. I'm very excited about this cigar. If people who follow us on Facebook and Instagram will have already seen this. Uh, about two months ago, Crown Heads, which is my favorite cigar company, 
announced that they were going to be doing an exclusive release for a local shop here in Nashville called Smoker's Abbey. It's up in East Nashville. It's a great neighborhood. Josh, Nate, and the whole crew do a wonderful job. And uh, we're actually hoping to do an episode from that shop once they finish some renovations that they're doing maybe in about a month or so. Uh, Crownheads being a Nashville-based company and... uh, you know, Smokers Abbey being one of their early kind of great partnerships. This is not a shop cigar. This is not a house cigar. Smokers Abbey had no input into the making of this cigar. It was one that Crowned Heads did exclusively for that shop, uh, which is why when I asked Josh, uh, who is the, the owner of that shop, what it was, he said, I don't know. They just told us it was, it was Nicaraguan. So that's all I know about it. Um, I can tell you that... There is such a distinct color to the end of this cigar. If you look at down the foot, and this is what the picture was about earlier in the week, it's got a nice dark, dark leaves interwoven with some lighter. It's, I mean, it looks like a Van Gogh painting. It is beautiful. And it has a little bit of that Latakia kind of pipe tobacco smell to it. And that comes out in the flavor. This cigar uh, retails for about $11.5, maybe $12. So it's not inexpensive, but oh my gosh, it's so good. It, you know, I took a little whiff of it before the show, and it does smell more aromatic, more pipe tobacco-y than what anything else I've had crowned heads smell like. Mm-hmm. And the look and the texture and everything, it is called the Sanctuary. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Whoops. <laughs> now, is... Smokers Abbey going to sell it online, or is the only way anybody ever going to get one to come to Nashville? I don't know if they're planning on doing online sales or not. I do know that um, they do box sales as well. So they pre-sold a bunch of boxes. I think there were 200 boxes made. So I don't know if you can call them and get one shipped. Um, But definitely, if it's something that you're interested in, definitely worth it. I will say comes in a box of 12 for about 130 bucks. So worth it. That is going to be my next box purchase. I like them that much. No kidding. Well, it's a semi-box press. Mm-hmm. Not really a box, but just kind of a semi-box press. Yeah, it's kind of a, yeah. Kind of a Toro. You know, right, it's right in your wheelhouse. It's Aside from the box press part, it's kind of right in the wheelhouse of what you like to smoke size-wise and shape-wise. So first run on the Blind Man's Bluff Maduro. I like it. Um, the Sumatra's coming on strong. Yes, it does. I'm hoping that it mellows. as a, If it gets much more intense, it'll become less enjoyable. If it mellows a little as the tobacco heats up, I'll keep everybody updated as I smoke it. Yeah, once, once you get... I mean, and you've already put about an inch down on that thing. You're, you're smoking through it pretty quick. Granted, I was a little long-winded in the introduction of my cigar, but still. So, big news. Biggest news this week thus far in the cigar business is Imperial Brands is selling its premium cigar business. This this is huge. Yeah. Imperial Brands owns Altadis. So they own Casa de Monte Cristo. So they own JR Cigars. So they own um, all the Altadis cigar brands. You're going to... That section, you're going to sound like you're recording from a car passing by. Oh, is it because I was... Your head. Sorry, I've, I've got to quit bobbing my head while I talk. <laughs> and uh, so the deal, looking here, 
They also own 50% of Cuba's Habanos SA. I did not realize that. So when you're getting Cuban cigars in Europe, half of them are coming through this Imperial Brands. It's an English company. They're actually owned in England. They own Dominican Republic's largest tobacco factory, Tobacco La de Garcia. And they do, you know, Monte Cristo, Romeo and Juliet, H. Upman, Henry Clay, all of those things. Which, you know, they were Tabacalera Garcia before they were Altitis. That happened in about 2007 or 2008, I want to say. 2007. Oh, look at me knowing stuff. Uh, I remember when this was announced, and this was very similar to when General bought CAO and when Swisher bought... It's probably closer to Swisher buying Drew Estate in terms of what the environment around this transaction was going to be. They, everyone was worried that having all of these brands change hands and go under Imperial, that it was going to affect the quality. And, you know, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. It didn't affect quality at all. It didn't get better, but it didn't get worse. Or I guess I should have said that the other way around. It definitely didn't get worse, but I don't know that they, it did anything for them. Well, I can argue that the new things that Altadis have been doing in the past two years have been a significant improvement over the standard Altadis lined up. Yeah. You know, the Romeo 505 Nicaraguan, the Monte Cristo Nicaraguan, the H. Upman Nicaraguan, the Grupo de Maestros. The A.J. Fernandez H. Upman, which I smoked two of this week already. I, I am just in love with that cigar right now. Oh, it's a great, it is a budget-friendly as yeah. a... Especially right now, it's Casa de Monte Cristo's Cigar of the Month, or it was until yesterday. And so you could get two for four fifty, or or for four fifty each, two for nine bucks. Yeah, so just a bargain on that cigar, which always helps. Yeah, it does. So here's my question. I'm going to play the devil's aardvark here for a minute. The Are they seeing the tobacco? Do they know something we don't about the tobacco regulations? And they say, hey, we need to dump the cigar business. I doubt it. I think it has more to do with buy low and sell high. I think that we are headed towards another cigar boom. And I think they're seeing this as an opportunity to make a profit on their investment from 12 years ago. Well, another point. Now, this is from the Half Wheel article. If you get a chance, go to Half Wheel. And they've got an article, Five Thoughts on Imperial's Decision to Sell Premium Cigars. Have they announced who's going to be the buyer? That's... They have announced no buyers. So this is just intent to sell. It's not actually just, sell. Right. There, that's why there's no money as it applies to the value, but it'll be right. in the billions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is in a billions of dollar deal. This isn't something that me and three buddies could get together and take over all to these. Now, one of the points that they're making in Half Wheel that I don't agree with, they say that Trump's um, anti-Cuba announcements about being able to sue... Cuba for damages and all that and, you know, tightening down. Trump's not as Cuba-friendly as Obama was. No. But I also think then, I mean, because they could, Imperial could sell off their their interest in the Cuban marketplace without affecting Altadis. Well, and here's the thing. So if that was the case, that's what they would be doing. The island's only so big. Right. And only going to produce so much tobacco. And they're already selling all of that overseas. Do they need the American market? And if they get in the American market, do they find out that they are way, way behind? 
I think that's. I mean, I think that's probably likely. Now, the the next point he makes is about who the buyer might be. Um, he proposes China Tobacco, but they've never bought anything before. I'm gonna skip them. An interesting thought: Japan Tobacco, not something we hear much about. Well, think about this. What's been the biggest boom in the whiskey business in the past five years? Japanese whiskey. Japanese whiskey. They, they're very smart people that said, hey, this is how you do whiskey. Now how can we do it better? Have you had any Japanese whiskey? I haven't. Don't waste your time. I haven't. I, I found it to be horrible. See, I like Irish whiskey and I like American whiskey. I don't know that I have. And with the you know five drinks I take a year... I don't know that I can invest any of it into a Japanese whiskey. I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't recommend it. I mean, if you get the opportunity, someone brings some in here and you can have a, a snort of it, go for it. But I would say don't waste your time on it. But the mar- but speaking strictly from a marketing standpoint, they have captured a much larger share of whiskey market than they should. Are they thinking of stepping in? If they were thinking of stepping into the cigar market, this is the opening. And it's entirely possible, you know, the way Japan is going now. And I think I heard something that their emperor abdicated yesterday. Did you hear about that? No, I did not. So, but they're making, you know, Japan has been quickly turning into a Eastern Western superpower. I mean, they've been doing a lot of things to move into that luxury item space. You see the the millionaires and the and the the higher echelon in Japan really likes the things that American millionaires and billionaires like. So uh, I, I could see this being a route to get a little bit better access for them. The other person they have, the other entity they have is if Scandinavian Tobacco Group bought them. That was my, I, I, that was kind of my thought as being a possibility, but I just don't know... I don't. Could they buy them? I mean, would it not be a pretty good antitrust case? I don't. Because Scandinavian owns General Cigar. They own Cigars International. They own, uh, you know. I don't know that. I don't think you'd get into antitrust in that case. It, they definitely would be cornering the market, but I don't know that you could consider it a monopoly from a regulation standpoint. It, it would standpoint. be pretty darn close. It would be close. But is this the beauty of the cigar business? Since nobody wants anything to do with it, nobody wants to try to protect it. Right. So you probably could get a little closer to a monopoly on the cigar business than in most other businesses in the world. I would say you're probably right. I, it, one of the other things that there was something on Half Wheel. Uh, no, it wasn't on Half Wheel. It was on CNN, I think. I read an article this week. You were talking about how the speculation is that Imperial wants to get out because of everything that's going on with the flavored cigar. Right. Um, I heard a rumor that one of the going ideas behind all of the uh, Tobacco Age 21 laws is to bury the flavored tobacco laws and that it's actually going to end up being better for tobacco companies because it's a redirect. So, you know... All we need to do to keep teens from smoking is to raise the tobacco age three years, and that's it. And so Congress and state legislations have been flooded with this type of legislation, these bills to raise the tobacco age, the purchase age. And it's canceling out and kind of making all of these flavored tobacco bans and other things go by the wayside. The the bills are sitting stagnated. So the idea is that the tobacco age is going to actually benefit the tobacco companies. 
Well, and you know, this is an interesting thing that came up this week in a podcast I was listening to. Um, it was Dr. Drew was actually quoting statistics that, they, that every time you turn on the TV, it's, oh, teenage vaping is out of control. Teenage drug use is way down. Hmm. Take the good with the bad, I guess. So, okay, would you rather have him hitting vape pen or heroin? Right. You know, I probably, you know, I, I don't like either one of them, but I'd probably rather him hit the vape pen if he has to. Right. It also makes me wonder, you know, the how did he did he say uh, we're getting into the weeds on something you're probably not going to know the answer to, but I'd be interested to know in what states if that's how long they've been looking at that and if it's a, a national I'd be thing too. Because I'm wondering, one of the things that the vape pens are used for is marijuana. And marijuana is becoming more and more widely legal. Makes me wonder if maybe it's not so much that it's reducing drug use, but that what they're using it for is no longer classified as drug right. use, and it just it could it could be muddy a combination the waters of factors. A little bit. But it is an interesting moral and ethical question because you know I try not to ever say anything positive about vaping. You've done pretty well in your life. I, I really did. That's as close as I've ever come. <laughs> but in that, but anyway. The only other thing they said about Imperial Cell, and we're going to wrap up the Imperial thing and keep talking about something else. The only other thing they said about the Imperial Cell is Imperial is just in a ton of debt. They owe a ton of money, and this is a way to get a little bit out of their hole. So this is kind of, um, it's interesting. It's interesting that that's what they're coming up with. I, I'm going to be following that very closely. So... Fox News 40 out of Sacramento, California. And I'm citing a a source just because I'm proud of how far I went. Decades-old Sacramento cigar shop will shut down due to flavored tobacco ban. Oh, okay. Uh, The shop was opened in 1983. Okay, so so just before the boom. 26 years old. Yep. And they're going to close... No, 36 years old. 36 years old. Thanks. I now feel even older. Appreciate it, Trey. Thanks for the help. Um, there, but well, I won't. You voiced your thought before we got on the air when I told you about this story. I won't repeat it, even though I agree with it. But I don't wish to steal your thunder, please. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> You're. I, I think I, I, did I say I'm good with it? You said it's on them. Yeah. Yeah, And I will say, if you are a cigar shop that builds its clientele around flavored cigar sales... That's right, yeah. Sorry, I was too busy watching the clock over here. Yeah, but th- that's exactly right. If, if the elimination of flavored tobacco is going to put you out of business, then you made your bed, now you got to sleep in it. Yeah. So, uh, probably not a big deal. I've, I, re- I watched the article. It wasn't terribly interesting, other than the fact... I didn't think we would see this. I did not think there would be any shop shut down if flavored tobacco goes away. It makes me wonder, though, if this is a ploy. Is there any way... Have You've seen the movie The Producers, right? Right. The only way to make money in Broadway is to have a flop, because then you don't have to pay back your investors. So is it one of those where they're trying to attack the legislations by showing the negative impacts, and maybe they've got some way of of this not actually being as bad as they're making it out to be? Or does this go back to what we talked about earlier? Recreational pot's legal in California. It's true. I mean, does it go back to that? It could. 
I mean, that could be a, a it, factor in that. It could, except that medical's been legal in California for a dog's age, and you know, all you had to do was go to a GP and say, I, I, I think I'm tired. How many years in a dog's age? Uh, whatever it is, plus seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't know if it was times seven plus seven divided by seven. I was just curious. <laughs> it's some factor of seven. But uh, the, the point is, it was really easy to get a medical card. So... You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much going recreational really helped. Um, other than the addition of delivery devices like edibles and stuff like that. Well, probably going legal was more about shutting down what was very shoddy clinics and going to more... Um, more legislated or regulated. <laughs> something that was more easily... <laughs> easily regulated and controlled and, and all of that. I've got to puff on my cigar more because I just had a ball of pollen fly right down my throat. <laughs> Holy cow. In well, case y'all don't know, in Tennessee, this time of year, you don't wash your dust off your truck. You wash the pollen off. It's true. Well, let's step away for a break real quick and give you a chance to recoup your lung functionality, and we'll be back with uh, more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week I want to talk about the Romeo and Julieta 1875 Nicaraguan. This is a fantastic cigar. Orange band, as is most Nicaraguans. It is a Nicaraguan Puro. Um, comes in a variety of shapes. It's really what Altadis does well. It represents that next level for Altadis. You know, we talked about them stepping up their game. And it's a well-balanced flavor cigar. It doesn't overwhelm you with spice or pepper or any real flavor notes, but it's a Nicaraguan as Nicaraguan gets. You know, they've got it on Cigars International ranked as a medium full. I think it's all medium. I, I would say medium plus to medium full is probably about right. It, it feel, and that may just be my palate. It could be. It feels be. very, very medium. Great step-up smoke. We talk about the smoke for the guy that smoked a few cigars and is looking to step up just a little bit without getting all the way to Maduro. Absolutely a wonderful cigar made in Esteli. It's the Romeo and Juliet 1875 Nicaragua. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I didn't yell into the microphone this week. One of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who knows it's only rock and roll. But I like it. Trey Dedman. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We did not rehearse that. Um, That's so kind of a slow pitch. That was. That was that was one that I could very easily pick up on. Sure. So tell me about your cigar. I enjoy it. I like it. It's mellowed out. The Sumatra has mellowed down a little as it's gotten hot through it. I always like the blind man's bluff. I need a different size. Yeah. This is, you know, he gave me the petite Corona or whatever it is. Um, the blind man's bluff, really to me, I like the 6x60, which I like the 6x60 in most cigars I smoke. True. So I can't really render a judgment until I have it in the 6x60. I've got to get you up to the Abbey because they have it up there. Uh, or, or maybe next time I'm there, I'll pick one up for you. I'll pick you up one of these sanctuaries, too, because I think you'll really like it. Now, let me ask you this question about that. And it's a little bit different size than what I've smoked. I usually smoke the Toro. And this is where my, where, why I was you know, hiding my judgment earlier. Right. 
do you find that it's drawing a little tight for your taste? No. Really? No, draw's perfect. See, I have had two, and both of them I struggle. No kidding. Yeah. It, that's a new, and I wonder if that may be something to do with whoever makes that size in the factory. It could be. Um, that being said, they were still smokable. But, you know, one of the things, and I've talked about it on the show before, I like to get a big plume of smoke when I smoke. I like to really feel and enjoy and have a mouth feel full of smoke. I, I couldn't get that with that cigar. I was right. having to draw so hard that it wasn't, it wasn't unbearable, but it was definitely enough that I noticed it. Well, you know, we were sitting on the back porch Sunday smoking, and I picked up a Monty by Monte Cristo, and I smoked half an inch, and I just threw it away. And I, I was not, I cut it twice, I poked it, I did everything, and it just, however that cigar was made, it was not performing. I'm also wondering if it has something to do with me a little bit. You know, we tend to be a little bit introspective on our cigar smoking a little bit on this show. And I have been noticing I've been having draw issues lately. And I tend to be someone who just very barely takes the tip of the cap off my cigar. And I've noticed that if I take a little bit more than I would normally, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better draw. And I wonder if maybe I've gone too far in just shaving the little edge off. Because I've had some luck cutting a little deeper, but then I've also had some luck not. I mean, I've had some real bad draw issues lately. You know, and I w also part of that is the humidity is coming up. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a tumultuous time of the year, humidity speaking, because it can be super humid during the day. I mean, it's warm out here right now. It's yeah. humid out here right now. And then tonight, it won't be humid at all. No, and it'll makes be 54 it a little, degrees. Right. Makes it a little harder on your cigars. It does. So I wonder if there's some factor of that, especially if you're getting them out of a busy shop. The other question I have for you on that cigar is how, you, how, how it's treating your palate. I found, unlike the other Blind Man's Bluff, which I would have expected it out of being a Honduran cigar, for a Dominican cigar like that one is, I have never had a Dominican cigar dry out my palate quite like that does. It is drier. If I, you know, Pepsi Challenge blind taste test, I would have picked Nicaraguan or Honduran. Yeah. I, I probably would not have went straight to Nicaraguan on, or to Dominican on this particular cigar. So that was the only thing that I kind of had a, a, to find fault with it. I would have liked it to not dry my palate out quite so much, and I'd like to, to get one that draws a little better. I'll try a different size later this week and see if I can get something. Yeah, I'm going to have to try it in the 6x60 because it's, it's hard for me in that Corona size to really, to really feel it. Now, I'm never going to complain about an inexpensive cigar. Right. So... Moving forward, the Victorinox, who's for years made the Swiss Army knife. Probably the best-selling knife in the world? Uh, probably definitely the most famous knife in the world. I'll give you that. And I'll probably been in more, more media shows and all that just because of the number of gadgets and tools in that knife. Have you seen the one they sell on Amazon that's about a foot wide? Oh, yeah. Where it has all the possible. Yeah, it has like $1,600 or yeah. something ridiculous like that. So, the Model 79 has a Swiss Army knife, Swiss Army cigar cutter. And I think this is brilliant. Well, okay, I, I showed you the picture earlier, but I want you to really look at the scissors on that. That's a nice pair of cigar scissors. It really is. I mean, that's, it's not the standard Zycar, you know, bubble-end cigar scissors. This is... No, they come all the way around. 
Yeah, I really like that style. And as you'll notice, I think it's the model. What's the one above it? The model 39 that has the... That it's like twenty nine ninety nine, and it has a cigar cutter on it. Yeah, the thirty six. I may be ordering one of them just I to like try that. that out, just to test drive that. I like the one in the middle, which doesn't have a, a model number on it, that has the punch. It's got three punches that come out. Yeah, I think that's pretty clever. Now, why? Okay, so if the thirty nine has the scissors, and then the one below it, we'll call it the forty, has the three punch. Why does the sixty nine not have both? Right. Although the the seventy nine does have the the bottle opener, two bottle openers, and the regular scissors that go with it, so it's just got a little bit more of your standard fare. What I'm a little disappointed is that none of them have a pick. Now that's well, generally associated with a pipe tool, but, but how beneficial would it be to have a little metal pick that comes out? But they all have the toothpick that falls out after three hours of carrying the knife, and you never find it again yeah that one <laughs> yeah well it's which is also plastic i'd love to see one that was metal like so uh, about six years ago uh calibri came out with a swiss army knife style uh pipe tool so it's got your little tamper the scoop and a poker right and it's brilliant and whenever i smoke my pipe it's what i use i love that thing so, but how beneficial would it be, I think, much like the Calibri does, where it's a metal poker that comes all the way out, to do that on that? I think, because I've used it to, to draw poke my cigars before. You could replace the corkscrew with that, and I'd be perfectly okay. I, I would, absolutely. I mean, how, there's got to be, I'm going to have to go to Victor Knox website. There's got to be a customizing option where you could put whatever accessories into if a knife. If not, they are leaving money on the table. Yeah, if not, that I mean, there should be an app, for crying out loud. Right. Where you just go through the list and say, okay, I never use a can opener, I never use a bottle opener, but I use a blade, I use scissors, I use tweezers, I use, you know. Yeah. No, that would be brilliant, I think. And if it, the other thing, it makes me wonder, I've never been to their website, but just knowing how many different things that they offer on their knives, could you imagine trying to go through their product catalog? If they, they probably make one in the configuration that's perfect for you, but you have to scroll through 300 different models to find it. Oh, yeah. Um, one more story I want to hear. I may be picking one of those up, though. Yeah, I mean, the price is reasonable. I mean, the yeah. big one's like 70 and the little one's 29 Yeah. That's that's real reasonable. To always have a pair of scissors on your belt loop or on But your here's keys? the thing. I can't carry that as my everyday knife. I have to have a one-handed opener everyday knife. Right. Because the, ch- the times that I need a blade that I have both hands free is so rare. Right. You know, I have to carry a one-hand opener. Um, this is a t- – we're going to pull the show over. You just got I, somber there I know. I had a I had a terrible tragedy – in my life. Oh, which knife broke? My buck. Oh. Extract 732. Um, got sand in it while I was fishing the other day. I didn't oh. drop it. I just had sand on my hands and in my pocket and it got sand in it. And there is no effective way to clean sand out of a knife. If anybody out there knows, please Facebook, Instagram, Carrier Pigeon me instructions. Does your frog lube not have some type of component that would... No, does not. So you'd have the, to disassemble it, but it's riveted together. Right, so. it's riveted together. And 
normally, and really what it is, is I've carried that knife for about five years, and it's the cover has worn just from walking in my pocket and created a gap that sand could come in because gotcha. that knife comes so tight. They don't make my knife anymore. Oh. They quit making the buck knife that I love. So now I've got to haunt gun shows for the next six months. To I'm find car- a suitable replacement. Yeah, I'm carrying my backup, and all. my backup is a buck extract, but it's a single blade and scissors. But this has pliers, scissors, screwdrivers, and it's perfect size. It's, it's See, it how you can carry something that big, I just don't understand. I, I cried. I cried when my knife bit the dust. It really bothered me that my poor knife bit the dust. But from the Cigar Journal... Nick Hammond, the author of the book about Hoyas, or, um, Cinco de Cadas, The Rise of the Nicaraguan Cigar, mm-hmm. he authored that book last year. We mentioned it on the show. I would like to buy this book for only one reason. That's because the title is a great Around the World in 80 Cigars. I like it. And it's a tale of his journeys, whether it's diving with great white sharks, having a tug of war of a Nile crocodile. <laughs> how do you, how do you smoke a cigar and dive of a great white shark? Do you have to have one of those bubble Asbestos helmets? Asbestos cigar. <laughs> oh, I, I just figured you had one of those bubble helmets. <laughs> it's like full of smoke <laughs> and all. But I it, assume like it's the equivalent of rolling over when you finished and lighting up a cigar. You just once you get out of the water and get back on the boat, you just lay down and have a cigar. And have a cigar. After swimming of a great white shark, I think I would definitely want a cigar. Oh, absolutely. But. Really interesting. It's a travel journal about his life going around the world and the cigars he smoked and the things he's done. Looks like it'll be pretty interesting. It comes out. It won't be out till September in the United States. So still a little while out. It'll be out next month in Europe, but it won't be out till September in the United States. Good birthday present for me. Yeah, probably be, probably be worth taking a quick look at. So last night, sitting here in the cigar shop playing poker. I noticed you didn't win again. I did not win last night. I won the week before, but I did not win last night. Um, the gentleman that works that happened to work that night, great guy, but he has this, he puts on music. He likes music in the cigar shop for some reason. I didn't realize that's where this was coming from. Okay. So I had to ask him twice to turn it down, and um, he did very, let me state this very clearly. The gentleman in question does an outstanding job, and he gave no problem at all turning it down. But it He is the best night employee they've ever had here. He is, by far. Mm-hmm. By far the best one they've Myself ever had. Myself included. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but since you... Oh, no. <laughs> no, just a great guy. Really good, and he, and he was very accommodating. But it did get me thinking about music and cigars. Because I'm prone to, you know, Sunday is usually a day that Glenda and I are just relaxing. Mm-hmm. And I'll, we usually sit on the back porch and I listen to the um, VJ Top 40 from like 1985 wow. on Sirius XM. And just enjoy a little music with my cigar. Mm-hmm. And I'll, what is, first, let's ask the question, what is your go-to cigar music? You're just relaxing. Uh, I don't really tie the two together. Uh, my musical taste is eclectic as an understatement. I tend to listen to a lot of Irish folk music. Uh, I also like, you know, kind of your standard classic rock. I like a lot of modern alternative. 
So really what I'm going to listen to if I'm listening to music is kind of predicated on what kind of musical mood I am more so than it is a cigar. You know, I, en- I enjoy the music. I enjoy whether I'm smoking a cigar, whether I'm driving. But the one exception, if I am driving down the road on a long road trip and smoking a cigar, I want old country. I want- it's very good for that. <sighs> yeah. Although my current road trip partner would not allow that. Oh, well. Just throw her out of the car. (laughs) I'd like the locks not to be changed when I get home. (laughs) Well, if you throw her out of the car further enough away, you can beat her home. (laughs) But anyway, you know, I like classic country. You're about to free yourself up for April 4th (laughs) one way or another, aren't you? By hook or by crook, baby. you know, old, I, I don't know what it is, but just something about old Hank Williams Jr. on our old Thomas Conley in Alabama just is perfect for me. Well, there's a genre of road trip music. It's got a certain beat, and there's and I think it just kind of figured it out. There, there are certain songs that just lend themselves to be being played in the car. And I don't know if it's about the, the um, claw hammer style of that music of that era where it just has that beat that kind of sounds like a train rolling down the tracks it just kind of lends itself to that kind of mindset maybe Uh, but I agree I think old country is perfect for road tripping now in the cigar shop I don't want anything with words I agree and in fact you know a lot of the traditional Irish music that I listen to actually is just jigs and reels instrumental stuff and whenever I need to concentrate or really just want to kind of get lost and just sit back and relax, that's the kind of music I go to. I love instrumental music. And that is, speaking of the music that this gentleman plays in the shop, when, typically when it's slower, but it does tend to be instrumental jazz. Yes. does. I want to stay away from elevator music. Right. And I don't want any music that I've ever heard in a porno. But I would like it to be... There, it's a it's a fine line. When you get into instrumental jazz, you can very easily stray and, into... And I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a big jazz fan. Not like Thelonious Monk and that sort of stuff. Like, that's not the type of jazz I like. I like New Orleans jazz. Right. I like just real, you know, horn section and loud and fast. That's the kind of jazz I like. See, I like... There's a certain type of jazz that's just noise. Right. Jazz, I need to... It's the the classic, you know, and this is a Corolla thought. I have to give Adam Corolla credit for this thought, but it's true. If I feel like I could do it, I don't feel like it's music. Right. You know, so it needs to be something that I don't feel like I could per- that I could perform. And also, yeah, very very light, flurry music is perfect. You know, um, even one cigar shop I went into one time played a lot of old Sinatra and that Rat Pack style music, and that was okay. I think if that's the vibe you're trying to accomplish, then that makes sense. How do you feel about, so, I mean, talking about music and cigars, though, how do you feel about music in the cigar shop? Because I feel like you're the kind of person who would be against that sort of thing. I'm for it as long as it is held at a volume that does not intrude on conversation. I agree. And as long as it's not complicated enough that it detracts from conversation. So the cigar cigar shop music, it needs to be instrumental. I don't want anybody commenting on the particular lyrics. Definitely don't want nothing modern. No. But rarely ever do I listen to modern music in any event. Well, and it needs to be accommodating to everybody. Just like we talk about the cigar shop should be accommodating to whoever wants to enter. Then the... 
the music itself also needs to be accommodating to whoever might yeah. be in there. Yeah, it needs to be something that kind of is agreed upon. But now, on a night when it's quiet in the cigar shop, a little music in the background, not a bad thing. And most of the time, if you come to the cigar shop and you like music with your cigar, you bring your own headphones anyway. Exactly. So rarely ever does that become an issue. But, you know, on the back porch, I like a little music because Glenda and I, we have time just to relax and enjoy it and get to comment on the music and the people making it and things like that. Although I was thinking about this today. I find that, you know, there are those people who music defines their life. You know, they can remember the song they were listening to when X happened and Y happened. And there are people that, you know, I can't wake, get out of bed until I've heard this song. I'm just not that guy. I love music, but it's not one of those things that really drives me. Music is an accessory, yeah. not a staple. Right. I mean, especially this time of year, we're starting to get a little bit warmer nights than we have been past couple of months or past couple of weeks. And we're right in the heart of like that first little bit of baseball season where everyone's kind of, you know, the first three weeks of baseball season is great because everyone's trying to establish their place in the pecking order. And then it kind of fizzles out for like six months. And then the last month of baseball season it everything kind of starts to pick up again so we're right in that where i find that if i'm going to sit on the back porch and smoke a cigar at this time of year it's going to be something i'm watching more so than something i'm just listening to well and as much of a podcast person as i am i can't i can't listen to a podcast and smoke a cigar on the back porch with my wife because i get too distracted and i miss stuff right right i'm either not paying enough attention to her or not paying enough attention to the podcast right in both cases, it doesn't work out well for me. Well, and to that point, if I'm sitting out on the watching a baseball game, that's something I'm doing just by myself. If my fiance is out there with me, it's it's usually just us talking, no music, no distractions of any kind. Yeah, but I, I just wanted to touch on that. We've ne- we've talked about music, but we've never talked about cigar music. So. The Oxford Times published an article: Sir Winston Churchill's cigar box at Blenheim Palace Exhibition. Um, I showed you the picture of this cigar, his humidor, basically. Tabletop, it's kind of, it's not what I expected. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's beautiful. It's green and gold. And I, I don't know, I, I always pictured him with a mahogany or a richer wood grain type finish on his humidor. See, and I wonder how much of that is just because that's who we've established him to be. You know, when, we, when you think of that era of cigar smoker and when you think of the Winston Churchills of, of the world you kind of think of them in that that dark smoky office and you think of that dark that mahogany and leather but at the same time I mean this is a, a, an absolutely beautiful piece of art and for someone of his stature it makes perfect sense that he would have something a little bit more statement Well, it was given to Sir Winston by the Belgian Congo and contains four cigars presented to him by King Peter of Yugoslavia with bands depicting the coat of royal arms. Wow. So this is priceless. I mean, you know, this is not something that's going up for auction. This is priceless. This is a museum-quality piece. Yeah, I was really happy to see when you were telling me about it that it was on display and not at auction because I was really worried you were going to say it went to auction. Does it speak to how highly he valued, and this you can tell me if this is me reading into it, does it speak to how highly he valued this hobby of cigars that he did want his humidor to stand out? I think so. 
I that mean, he chose a design that people would say, what's in that box? That doesn't match everything else in here. I think so. I mean, look at you, for example. I mean, cigars and your hobby of cigars is a significant part of who you are. And as a result, your humidor stands in your living room, a fully lit six-foot-tall cabinet. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a statement piece. And all the credit in the world to my wonderful wife. Very few men can pull that off. That is true. That is true. I, I know for a fact I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, very few men could pull off the full six-foot-tall humidor with Arturo Fuente sign above it in there. I got a bug trying to crawl into my eye. <laughs> that is one downside of recording outside. And very few men could pull that off. All the credit in the world to my wife for letting me do that. But if I were in the position to have... A, you know, in my office or, or a statement humidor, I absolutely would. I would love to have some. What is that? Yeah. So another cigar, is, is it just the time of year that Crowned Heads comes out with their limited editions? It must be. And uh, well, they're shipping the Las Calaveras 2019 next month. This is about the time they did it last year. Yeah. I'm excited for this. I really loved last year's. This will use an Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over Nicaraguan binders and fillers. So, and it's it's dark. Man, I mean, it's a rich, dark cigar. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the Oscuro trademark. Yeah. And it's going to have Will Kano's name on the bottom and all who passed away, who was a big part of Crowned Heads and founding of it and when they were CAO and things like that. So... The Las Calaveras is super hit or miss for me. It is me too, but I really like last year, which means I probably won't like this year's very much. See, I like the 17. I did not care for the 18. Right. And also the 19, I don't know. And it is funny because you and I have a pretty similar palette in general, but with the Las Calaveras, I tend to go against the norm. The first one, which set everyone on fire, I thought was just okay. The second year, which was 15, which everyone thought was a dog turd, I loved and I, I got the same kind of thing. I loved it last year. Everyone was kind of like, eh, the 16 was better. You know, so, it, you know, it's funny how with that cigar, I tend to be against the consensus. Yeah, it, it's funny how that works. And it, like I said, last year's not big on my list. I mean, it wasn't bad. I could smoke it. But it was, it was not like the 17 where I bought a box. You right. know, I, bought, I, just, I smoked the 17 and I said, okay, I want to buy a box. Now those have been aging in my humidor for about two years, and they're very good now. Although it, it is interesting to see that there are 18s still on the shelves in most shops. You know, typically with the 14s, with the 17s, they sold out. Right. Last year's didn't. And that may speak to what you're talking about. Yeah. To the to the palate that that particular cigar appeals to. Mm-hmm. Super, really interesting that they're fixing to release that, but. I will so, save my first one of those of the year for the for the show. Oh, okay. I did smoke the 2019 Mule Kick. It was okay. It was okay. It, it didn't blow me away. Which the the first the previous years didn't really. But I mean, I I really enjoyed it, but it didn't blow me away either. Yeah, I enjoy the four kicks as a cigar, but um, it's 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 a four. It's a five. It's not, definitely not a six. Yeah. And also, how can they get a hold of us? All right. Uh, you can get a hold of us uh, on Instagram and Twitter at the Cigarcast. You can email us info at thecigarcast.com. And you can also reach us on facebook.com slash thecigarcast. Now, speaking of Facebook, uh, listeners to the show, you guys may have noticed over the last three weeks or so, 
Shane and I have been playing around with a little bit different format. We've shrunk the show to about 45 minutes, which was always our goal. Uh, but we had found that kind of in the lead up the last few months, we were much more likely to hit the one hour mark than we have been. We've been getting some feedback uh, that a lot of people like it the little bit shorter because it's about the length of their commute. We've received some feedback that it's maybe not as good as the longer format because it doesn't last the whole length of the cigar. So we're going to be putting up a poll this week. Uh, we want your input. I mean, we do this show for you guys more so than we do it for us. And we want to make sure that the product that you guys are downloading and listening to is something that, that you want. So we're take some take the opportunity, take some time, head over to our Facebook page this week. Uh, we'll leave it up for a week or two or whatever Facebook will allow me to do. And uh, let us know what you think because we're really interested. We want to make sure that the show we're making is the show you want to hear. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I rarely talk about myself on the show, so it's definitely more for oh, the listeners. come on, just this once, just the, Just this once? Okay, just this well, once. just this once. I like the longer format at all. It's, it's funny because we were discussing this. I like the longer format because I want it to last the length of a cigar, but I smoke a 6x60 six when I listen. Right. And I'll usually at least a 6x60. Six and I like the shorter format because I feel like it keeps us on our toes. It'll be interesting to see what the listener feedback is. I'd like to know from y'all, the listener, over 45, under 45, what's, what would you like? Yeah, so we'll, we'll put up those options this week. We're very much looking forward to hearing your feedback. Well, my judgment of the wise, of the, the wise man, of the blind man's bluff Maduro, I like it. I need it in a bigger size to give a complete fair judgment. Um, probably a... If I had to give it a number right now, I'd probably go five and a half, five and three quarter. Almost Look at you using fractions. I know. But, I well, I can't commit. Once I smoke one in a six by 60, I will commit. Okay. I will give a solid committed number. This is a six or this is a five or whatever this happens to be. Um, I like the Blind Man's Bluff a lot as a cigar, especially as a morning cigar. The Maduro is getting a little closer to that long live the king type flavor. Uh, definitely the definitely a cigar smoker cigar. You need to be a seasoned Absolutely. cigar smoker before you pick this one up. Absolutely. So what about the Sanctuary? Sanctuary is a six, mm, close to a seven. It's I love this cigar. It, it if it were a little cheaper, it would it would definitely be a seven. The problem is it's just it's just a little more than I want to spend. But it's, they did such a good job. And, and I really, like, I don't know how you capture the environment of a shop in a cigar. But they did. This, this just tastes like Smoker's Abbey. It tastes like their cigar. So I totally get it. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. Kind of what I was talking about earlier about having a little bit of draw issue uh, lately. This one's a little tighter than I would have liked. But it's been kind of rolling around my car for a little bit. So that may have something to do with it as the humidity's gone up this week. But the one I had the other day was perfect in every way. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to us. And until next week, have a great cigar and thank well of us. Mm-hmm.